0: May the words of my mouth, and the meditations of our heart, may those be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Thursday, we celebrated the Ascension Day. And next Sunday, Is Pentecost Sunday. As we try to empty ourselves in the preparation of the Holy Spirit, I would just draw your attention to a few of the exhortations that Peter tries to give the church in the epistle lesson that we read. These days, I was working on the last phases of a book. The South Asia Christian Youth Network has been a fellowship of young people all over South Asia that kept meeting once a year, bringing together young people from about 10 countries. This year, we are going to meet in October in Sri Lanka. I asked a few people to write their reflections, their memories on this 15-year journey from 2002. And this morning, I got one beautiful response. He said, yes, it's 15 years ago, but I still remember one particular worship service in the morning. And this worship service was led by Father Michael Latsky who worked in South Africa. This young boy, Matthew, did not note much special about the worship in the morning. After worship, they had fellowship tea in one of the gardens. And there, somebody pointed out that Michael is finding it difficult to have the sandwiches that, were, that they were prepared. It was then Matthew took a look. Michael did not have both the hands. It was two steel pieces coming out. And with those steel pieces, he was unable to really eat. Somebody quickly went, fetched a fork, with which he started eating. After the sandwich was eaten, this young person Matthew who was about 18 or 19 went up to Michael and asked what happened and he said well it was a difficult situation in South Africa that I worked as a priest. To stand against apartheid was not easy. I spoke for justice, for truth because for for me That was the core of the gospel and one day I got a letter in my letter box and the cover of the letter said thank you. So I came, came to my study, opened the letter and suddenly there was a blast. It was one of the earlier crude forms of the letter bomb. Both hands lost, Father Michael. Many of us would have read about him, seen his pictures. Was in the hospital for some time. And then, he came back into ministry without both his hands. Serving the communion was not easy. Doing ministry was not easy. But then the passion that he had, that was what inspired us to invite him. Matthew writes, I do not remember anything that Father Michael spoke that morning for the sermon. But in the afternoon, across the fellowship table, what he said touched us. More than Bonhoeffer, more than any other martyr, we saw a living gospel in front of us. And that day, there was a fire in me. Fire for the gospel. And he writes after that, saying, no sermon and light that fire. No book can light that fire. No poem can light that fire. That fire has to be lit by another fire and that's what Father Michael did in my life. He goes on to explain several such influences and today we are also reminded of this simple fact that many a times it is not what we say that lights fire in the light of people. It is not what we say that becomes the gospel that transforms people around us. It is the way we live, the way we contact ourselves, the way we behave, the way we relate to people. Here, the first thing, some of the several things that Peter writes here, I would draw your attention to is this. He writes two specifically leaders of the church. He writes to preachers of the world. He writes to elders in the community. He writes to people like you and me who claim are living Christians in the context. He writes to them the first thing. Humble yourself before God. He will exalt you in his appointed time. The first mark the world notices in us is the humility be clothed in humility and what does it mean that's where i draw my attention to father Michael. he comes sits with a group of 18 year old kids in a world where he says in a time when the church and the pastors failed to connect to children connect to young people, this man came and sat with us. With such rich repository of experience, he did not start preaching to us, but was willing always to narrate the story of his life in the most simplest of languages, the language that he spoke. Up in the pulpit, he was a faraway figure, but by us, near us, he spoke to us. And, he says, that humility, that being one among us, that ability to come down the pulpit, that ability to come into the park, that ability to sit by my side, that ability to talk to me, what it meant to live in a context of apartheid, what it meant to live in a context of racism, what it meant to stand for the gospel and pay the price, that humility spoke to me. In this world of conceit, where all of us have only about ourselves to speak, only about the glory of the faith to speak, here is a simple message that Peter gives to all the leaders of the church, be humble and he says, in God's appointed time, wait for the time, in places where you need to be elevated, God will truly do that. The second lesson Matthew learned was this, casting your care on God, God cares for you. Reliving the story with Father Michael was not easy, but they tried exactly to do it. The moment you realize both your hands are blown away, the moment you went to the hospital, the moment you realize it's irretrievable. The moment you are told you will now have to live a life with all these casts in your body, which of course you can say was cast for the gospel, but a reality of living without your hands—not an easy proposition. But then he says, "Well, the only thing I did, perhaps the only thing I could do, was cast my cares on God. Cast." my agonies on God, cast my pain on God, cast my difficulties on God, cast my future on God. And he says, right from my young days, I've had several people preaching about casting your care on God. They preached from their head, they preached from their lips. And here I saw a man who lived this out, who cast all his care on God, his anxiety, his pain, his fear, and here is a man who sits not on the pulpit and preaches, but sits by my side in the park and says I did do that I did cast all my cares onto God and God did care for me it was not something of the past it is a continuous process because God continues to care for us next week onwards we start Meditating on the Holy Spirit and the working on the Holy Spirit in our lives. The continuing abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that keeps caring for us. Dear friends, each of us go through different kinds of difficulties. Young people have their own share of anxieties. The elderly have their own different share of anxieties. The parents have their own share of anxieties. Children their own share of anxieties. Anxieties about the future, anxieties about the visa regulations, anxieties about diseases, anxieties about finances. Whatever be the anxieties, Peter writes to the church, writes to the elders, a gem. Learn to cast your anxieties on God. And the reason? Here is a God who cares for you. Cast All your anxieties, fill up your helium balloons, write your anxieties down one by one. Here is fear, this is exams next week, is it assignments next week, is it deadlines for me, is it my job anxieties, is it my joblessness, is it my health concerns, is it my age concerns, anything. Just write it down and Peter says, leave it out of your hand it will all walk to God and lighten your world. That is the beauty of this care. God cares. And that is the affirmation that a person who comes all the way from South Africa to Colombo gives this young people. Whatever be the challenges you face in life, be it Manchester, be it Egypt, be it Indonesia, be it the blowing of people in musical musical be it the blowing of a bus where Christians travel, be it any tragedy that we saw through, bloodshed that we saw through, difficulties that we saw through, we survived and our dear ones did not survive. The message that kept us going is this, God still cares. When it becomes difficult for us to believe, when we ask this question, does God really care, even then? The message is simple, God cares. Peter goes on to say, therefore discipline yourself. How to discipline yourself efficiently? Wonderful book, four parts of the book. The first part is discipline your directions. In a world where there are people calling you into different directions, the direction of wealth, the direction of pleasure, the direction of passion, the direction of worldliness on the other side is the direction where God wants you to go forward. Father Michael said well, when apathite became difficult, I as a white skinned person had an easy choice. Either go with the tide or at least keep quiet. That was the direction most of my peers took. That was the direction most of the clergy also took. That was the direction, sadly, what a church also took. But amidst that, I realized the challenge of the Gospel was a different direction that the Lord is calling me to. To speak against exclusion of people. To speak against the marginalization of people. And I did. Disciplining decisions in your life—not easy. Always very easy to go with the crowd. Always very easy to take decisions that does not involve us. But the way of the Lord, the way of Jesus, is the way of the cross. And decisions needs discipline. Desires—desires Desires of vain glory of the world. Desire to be acceptable unto God. The choice is not easy. Devotion. How to discipline your devotion? It can go on. But basically he says, discipline yourself. And one step further, alertness in life. Keep alert. Because around you, you have several signs which warns you of the dangers around you. And then, that discussion went on to the pitfalls of Christian life, then. The second paragraph of Matthew's reflection is looking back at last 15 years. The pitfalls that Father Michael told him were part of Christian journey. And the most important challenge is the status quo maintenance syndrome. Status quo maintenance syndrome. No questions asked. Close your eyes so that you don't see the pain of others. Close your ears so, so that you don't hear the agony of others. Walk your way so that those on the peripheries crying out for help is outside the ambit of your viewing. Dear friends, That's what the pitfalls, pitfalls of selfishness, pitfalls where the self reigns and where the self reigns the Holy Spirit has nothing to do, only because there is no space for the Holy Spirit and Pentecost Day where we talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit next Sunday the previous Sunday we are asked to discuss about emptying of yourself, being alert to the fact that your box is so full that even if the Holy Spirit wants to come in, there is no space left. Therefore, preparation for Pentecost is a call to be alert. Throw away the junk within us so that we prepare for the Holy Spirit to start afresh anew in our lives. Be watchful. The reason? The evil one is all around you. The evil one is all around you. This is what the scripture says Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. The evil is around you. Not a scary picture saying the lion is around, be careful. But accept that reality. There is evil influences around you. Learn as a Christian. To resist the evil one be steadfast in faith knowing that the sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood all over the world there is suffering by your brothers and sisters all over the world know that know that in your goodness and then he reminds the biggest lesson holding the handless hand of mighty. he says suffering is not forever suffering is for a little while my scripture puts it this way for a little while god of grace will carry you through in the days of pain god of grace to whom even the son of the cross cried "O god O god why did you forsake me that God is by your side to carry you from the cross carry you in moments of pain, carry you through the moments of agony, carry you through to eternal glory and he says yes there is a time when we take a position for the gospel where there is suffering, there is a prosperity gospel around you that tells you all is well, all is well not with the body. For me, all is well with my soul, all is well with my inner being, though there be pain around, though there be sorrow around, though there be agony around. And the greatest lesson he learned is this, out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. Out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. Ask anybody whom you think is a strong person, and they will tell you much more than any person who spoke from the pulpit much more than any book that they read or the poem that they read a person who went through suffering who lived through suffering and then showed us how to live through it that's the person who lit the fire of the gospel in me out of suffering have emerged the greatest souls god will restore you and that's the promise yes my hands are shattered yes Surviving a bomb in your room it's not easy. Yes, seeing your own blood splash over you, your own bones crash in front of you, is not easy. Leave alone the pain, the agony, the brokenness of the world around. But the promise of restoration, the promise in the kingdom of God, the promise in the coming of the Lord is this. We have a God who will restore, restore the world means, to bring back to its original position. Support. When you keep falling down, here is a Lord who stands by your side, who supports you. A Lord who strengthens. When you think you are weak, when you think you cannot take it any longer, when you think, think it is too much to bear, when you think the strength within you is draining away, here is a God who strengthens strengthen you and the Lord who would establish you back establish you back to where you belong to. God, each of these words, we can preach. But today, as I sit with you in this park, Father Michael told Matthew, this particular passage, very, very carefully, we have a God who keeps restoring us. In our loneliness, in our pain, in our agony, in our tears, We have a God who keeps supporting us. In our brokenness, in our strengthlessness, we have a God who strengthens us. In our falling down, we have a God who establishes us. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to eternal glory in Christ will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Dear friends, as we pray for this Holy Spirit to come up upon us. As we prepare for the Pentecost Sunday. Next Sunday when we come, all these whites would turn to red, the table would turn to red, the church would be in red. But that should also be a preparation, week for us, O Lord. When we pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us once again in the calendar of the church. Not that we cannot pray that prayer today. Enable us to understand. Enable us to understand. What being humble in you is. Enable us to understand how to take away the burdens that fill our heart is and casting our anxiety to you is. Enable us to understand what being watchful is. Enable us to understand what support through suffering is. And enable us to understand your promise that you would fill us, establish us, restore us, strengthen us. Let's pray. Precious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Peter, for the exhortation you gave. gave. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us of a conversation between Matthew and Lapsky. We praise you because these thoughts were what we needed today. And we pray that as we prepare for Pentecost Sunday yet again, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on us yet again, we pray that that would be an experience That we would be able to appropriate the coming down of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the gifts of the Spirit, the filling of the fruit of the Spirit. That would be an experience of us through the Pentecost season. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.